everyone. Thank you for joining me, Stacy, on Tent Talks. This is episode two. We're going over the chakra system. If you are tuning into this episode and haven't listened to the one right before, go ahead and listen to the episode right before this one, as it's a continuation of learning about the chakra system. Also, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that we really appreciate your support. If you like this content, become a paid subscriber. Click on the link below and help become part of the reason why we can keep doing this podcast. Okay, so the previous episode, we talked about the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus chakras. Next, we're moving to the heart chakra. And chakras are energies in the body. And the chakra system is basically a template that describes the energy body. I'm only talking about these seven because there's such a repeating, reoccurring theme. You probably have heard something mentioned about the chakra system in your everyday life, like either reading a book or listening to other podcasts or just reading information. It's so heavily talked about. And yet, I think a lot of people haven't really studied it. My individual take is that I've been working with the energy system for so long in the body, helping other people learn how to identify this energy and work with it. So the heart chakra is connected to the thymus gland. And the thymus gland is really about immune system support. And I think that's incredible because I think that the heart chakra is all about the inner child. And when we step into inner child work, we step into this big place of forgiveness and we forgive ourselves. We forgive our caregivers, our environment, because we're doing this process of reparenting. And if you've ever had or know somebody who has a chronic autoimmune problem, there's a big chance that is connected to heart chakra work. And that's not to say that they shouldn't seek out medical care and just do energy healing, but there's an energy component to every physical ailment. So people with chronic autoimmune conditions, heart chakra energy work is key. A lot of people relate the heart chakra to forgiveness and love of humanity and this really big opening space. And while I think that is true, I don't feel like you can really experience heart chakra energy and healing until you've done inner child work because exercising forgiveness and this unconditional love space is reparative. And inner child work is the act of learning to reparent yourself and really take accountability for yourself and your choices. And when you love yourself really fully, you can also extend that love outward beyond to the other. So we've just come out of the solar plexus space in the chakra before at the end of the previous episode where we talked about solar plexus energy is really taking ownership over your life and really 
doing the self-worth work where you accept everything about yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, the scary, the dark, the beautiful, the brilliance, and you own that all. And the heart chakra, then you step into the ability to extend that to the other. But to do that to the other, you have to kind of backtrack and you have to say, well, what happened in all of those previous relationships I've been in? What has happened in all of those places where I have had the opportunity to love and to be in a loving space? And what I've learned with inner child work is that I needed to learn how to be gentle in my inner voice, that critical voice that I had or that I have, I have to name that voice. And I have to say, oh, that voice is separate from the me because I can identify it. And I forgive that part of myself, wherever I learned that voice from, I can forgive that. And that critical voice is usually a parent or an authority figure that was maybe speaking to you in a way that was offensive to you. But at such a young age, you can't really advocate those things and you can't understand that. Again, it takes space and separation. So inner child work is speaking to that hurt little person inside of you that's still acting out and taking a moment to say, oh, I see you. I hear you. I understand that you're hurting. I'm sorry that this happened. Let's investigate together what happened and why you're having this response. And then you do the reparenting, which is the reparative work. And in that moment, you can forgive yourself for acting out and you can forgive the origin of where that hurt came from, which is usually, you know, a family or an authority figure when you were young. When you get into that space of love and accountability and repair, it does feel like a love fest because you've been able to forgive your darkest parts of yourself, the places where you were lacking love. You can also extend that to other people. And so often something that I do with my parents is I say, oh, well, gosh, I'm their age when they were trying to do all this. And I don't know how I could manage that situation in my life. So I'm holding them accountable for something that I don't know that I could do. And it creates this flow of ease. And sometimes I can't get to that space. Sometimes I can't get to a space of ease and flow and forgiveness. That's okay. But I can maybe get to a softer place, a place where there's less barriers for connection and for communion. But the heart chakra teaches us that although we're separate and we're an individual, we're also a collective body and everybody's seeking love. Everybody's seeking connection and forgiveness and more gentleness. And at the core of some of our ugliest behaviors is a longing to be loved. It's a longing to be seen, to be recognized. And so for all the love warriors in the world, the people that just embrace and love to maintain and be grounded in that space, it requires a lot of deep, hard work to get there. And that's inner child work. There's a quote that I love. And basically, it's this 
idea that we're aspects of divine love and presence. And so God surrenders in and through us all the time. And that's how life unfolds, is a constant surrendering. And I love to think about God surrendering to us by being an expression of us. Like the ultimate trust, the ultimate love is saying, you have this self, this individual, and you can show up however you show up. That's an aspect of love is allowing, allowing. Next on the chakra journey is the throat chakra. And that one's easy to remember because it's right over the throat. (laughs) It's controlled by the thyroid. And the thyroid is metabolism. That's a big regulator in the body, but it also has to do with a lot of like sleeping, waking patterns and just like circadian rhythms in the body. The throat chakra themes are often related to using your voice. I think another great way to talk about the throat chakra is our breath. Because our breath comes through the nose and the throat and the diaphragm as well. And it's this thing that happens automatically to us, right? Our body will keep us breathing. But when we do breathe, we step into healing and we step into awareness and we realize that we have participation in life. So a lot of throat chakra work is learning to speak truth. So along the journey, I like to always put things in perspective of journey. So we've come away from the family. We've stepped into one-on-one relationships in the sacral, and that helped us get a core relationship with ourself in the solar plexus. In the heart, we learned that we're connected and that we love and we forgive all of our past self and our past relationships with people. We're really in that heart expansive space. And from there, we speak truth. And the power of speaking the truth is realizing that you belong, that you can show up, that you can express because you are a divine expression. And actually, there's another paradoxical phrase, and I got this from a Janet Connor book, but she says, to declare is to surrender. And I feel like that's such a wild, I mean, it blows my mind, like me speaking is actually me surrendering my truth, it's surrendering my expression into this world. It's me showing up is using my voice to declare and to speak and to pass on truth. In the context of the Bible, we've all heard in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. That gives us a great context for the power of voice, because our voice calls in our reality. And in pagan traditions, there's spell casting, right? We we use words to call in something into existence. In your metaphysical, it's manifesting, but it all includes this reverence or this acknowledgement that your voice 
the words you speak, the authority in which you speak is very powerful. So we really know that it's important what we say. It's important what we say. It's important how we say it. And overall, it's important that we do say, that we do speak, and that we do have some sort of expression and show up because no one else can say the words that are yours. Your story is your own. No one can tell it better than you, and no one has that perspective. And if we're speaking in context of holistic or wholeness, you are a piece of the whole. And if you don't show up, no one can fill that hole because it's it's yours and yours alone to fill. If you're speaking in the empowerment of life and creation of your reality, you have to speak your life into reality. You have to use your voice to ask for things, to invite things in. It's not just going to happen for you. It requires effort on your behalf. Going back to that Janet Connor book, which um, we talked about the paradox to declare is to surrender. She talks about in biblical times, the name for God was a word that was unpronounceable. So it would be like, for context, if we had a word that was all consonants, and so we didn't quite know how to say the word, everybody was kind of guessing. And the name of God was like that because to say the name of God was so powerful that you invoked that being, that presence, that God-like power. So we know that to speak is powerful. To say certain things is so powerful. And so much so that to take the Lord's name in vain had nothing to do with using it in like a derogatory way. How I grew up like saying you could never say, for example, like, God damn, or something like that. But in, in the Holy Script, it was literally like, you can't even say this word because it's so holy. It's so powerful that you invoke that being into your body. And I think that's such a beautiful translation and interpretation that was totally missed by me and my Mormon upbringing about taking the Lord's name in vain or any of that Bible Christian narrative. What if instead we used it from the context of this, of just your voice is really powerful and you invoke and create reality and interaction, co-creation with divine orchestration of life when you speak. When you speak, there's response. So be careful in how powerful you are. Be mindful. I love that interpretation so much more. Moving from the throat chakra up to the third eye. The third eye is right in between the eyebrows it is connected to the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland is the master gland. It sends all of the messages to all of the other glands to help you produce the correct hormone and chemistry flow that your body needs. And the third eye is really about seeing the unseeable. It's the perception. It's being so connected that you can start to see patterns, you can start to see the interplay. And it's really gratitude. 
in a lot of ways. Like for me to be here presently, all of these other things had to show up in order for me to exist. The flow of life is so abundant and beautiful, and I'm part of that flow. Third eye is a magnitude of being, of perception, and we're using third eye all the time because we can't not. It's compassion. It's dream work. It's imagination. It's interpreting life by things that you can't quite see. So an easy example of this is if you walk into a room and there's been a fight, you might be able to feel that. You might be able to feel tensions. You might be able to sense certain things that weren't said. When you're having a conversation with somebody, you might be able to pick up on certain things that aren't being said, but being emoted or expressed. You might be able to see a pattern before somebody else could see a pattern because you're familiar with the flow. And I think there's a fine line between what I'm describing there and hypervigilance. Third eye feels like a gift of information and not as much of a like a trauma response of I better read every single person to know like energetically what's going on. It's more of just I've walked this path to this point. I've been able to discern a lot of information and I can be in gratitude and in flow and perceive because of a level of awareness. So there's a swan symbolism of the third eye. And the swan story got kind of overtaken by whatever fairy tale, and it became like the ugly duckling to the beautiful swan. And that's not the original story of the swan. The original story of the swan was kind of like a third eye journey. And it's the journey of the swan goes from the earth to the heavenly plane, the rainbow bridge, it crosses that rainbow bridge. But in like psychological terms, it's like understanding healing and understanding like reverence for life and the balance of life and death and everything in between. And so you become this sacred guide that helps people on the journey, I can take you through this journey because I've been there, I can shed some light, some awareness, because I have seen that before. And that's kind of the beauty of the third eye is this wisdom, this grace, this level of consciousness, because maybe you've experienced it and healed it because you're in a place of gratitude and awareness, because you're perceptive and can see patterns. And then you grace that upon others, but you also are so in awe and awe as a place of agape, of, of wonderment, of I know that I know that I don't know that I don't know, like this place of I know enough to know that I don't know. And that's the energy of the third eye that I would explain. I hope it's coming across as clear and not confusing. But I think if you know, you know, right? (laughs) Okay, so 
the last chakra that we're going to talk about is the crown chakra. And this is controlled by the pineal gland, and that controls your sleeping and waking patterns. And we talk about like being woke. Literally, the crown is all about like how woke you are. And that sounds so silly to say, but it's the journey of the thousand petaled lotus. It's realizing that that you are one spectrum. You are one aspect of the collective, of the divine, of this earth. You realize your smallness, and yet you realize that even at the smallness you have this peace that no one else has. So you are part of the collective and your presence is very needed. And you realize this place where everything is everything. It's this constant amazement of life and all that is. And because life is an aspect of divinity, then you realize this big aha moment that I am God. And you stop reaching outside of yourself for other dogmas, for other stories. You go within. You go within and you say, I am all. I am. I am that I am that I am. I am that. You've heard that mantra maybe. And I've heard it in several education courses, I am that, that I am, I am that I am. And you just keep repeating that over and over again, because it leads you to this place of full embodied empowerment. You don't need to search outside of yourself for anything. Everything is within. And there's that great moment in the book, Eat, Pray, Love, when she's sitting in silence and she finally comes to that place where she does reach down within herself and recognizing that divinity was inside of her all along and she only had to go within. But it's so, it's so hard to go within. I mean, think of the journey we've just been on. We went from our family structure to individual relationships to the relationship with ourself, back to the collective and forgiving because we did our inner child work. Then we found our voice through empowerment. And then we sat in gratitude and took other people on that course because we gave the gift of consciousness and awareness to others. So then we step into this place of realizing it was me all along. But that leads you into a place of so much reverence that you spiral back down because you realize there are no opposites. And once you get to a place of enlightenment, you start over again because everything's a cycle. It's the labyrinth. It's the infinity sign. And so then you go back down through and you go to your root chakra and you say, this family that I was born into this community that I was born into, this religion that I was born into, this world that I was born into, it's all me. And I'm all of it. Because there is no separation between me and the other. There are no opposites. We're all collective. And in the completeness of the crown chakra, how it spirals you down into all the lower 
Maybe you've seen or heard the term kundalini energy rising. You've seen these two merging energies that go in and out between the chakras. That's also a common symbol that is used for like medical, the medical symbolism is that staff. And we use that all the time as a representation of healing, even in the Western medical world, because there's some kind of symbolism that recognizes a deeper truth that we're using even on a symbolic level. And maybe we're slow to learning about the energetic world, but the origins of our medicine and the Hippocratic Oath, they were all tuned in to these deeper truths for healing. And I just think there's interesting parallels in that symbology with kundalini rising, those two opposing forces going in between the chakra system is a modern symbol that we see every day in our medical industry. And it it seems like a pretty big cosmic idea, right? And it is. And I mean, they call it the thousand petaled lotus for a reason. It's the thousand, you know, it's, it's pretty big space to get there. And I feel like we have moments of recognizing this. And once we have a moment, an encounter, maybe it's a beautiful piece of music that you get so lost into and you feel cosmic energy and space inside of you, or you see a whale on the ocean, or you're just in this moment of complete divine presence. Those are very few rare moments. And we seek to go back there all the time. We're always seeking that place of, of beauty of oneness. And so that keeps us on the journey of chakra healing, right? Because we want to get back to that moment when we connected so beautifully with divine energy that we'll, we'll remember it, and we'll seek it out forever and ever. And that is why that is why we live. But it's also the point of life. It's why we're living. It's what it means to live are these divine encounters because we are the divine. But we have to realize that we are and we can't do that unless we go through this whole cycle. It's so beautiful. It's so big. It's so beyond us. And yet it's the most simple. I hope that in going through the chakra system that, number one, that you have learned something. And maybe it's sparked interest for you to research more. And maybe it's just you've identified with one or two chakras that maybe need a little help. Or maybe you found yourself in some of the examples or created your own examples. But you can memorize a chart anywhere, but it's the living embodiment of the energy. You can memorize a chart. You can memorize all the data. But at the end of the day, it's the living embodiment of the information. It's understanding the energy. It's the somatic experience. It's the journey from within rather than going without. And We're constantly in it, whether or not we're paying attention. And I really hope that the next time someone brings up the chakra system, there's a piece of you, there's a part of you that can say, oh, yeah, I know something about this. 
I've learned something about this because I promise you, if you're on a healing journey, you will be working within this template somewhere, somehow. I mean, it's just, we're using this template. We can't escape it. It's just here. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening in. We so much appreciate all of the support and love. We'll see you next week.